0: Welcome to Puritans Read, reading aloud, great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 23 of The Letters of Samuel Rutherford. To the Parishioners of Kilmacholm, Anwath, 5 August 1639. There's a footnote after spending 18 months in exile at Aberdeen. Rutherford took advantage of the covenanting revolution of 1638 to return to Anwath. Worthy and well-beloved in Christ Jesus our Lord, grace, mercy, and peace be to you. Your letters could not come to my hand in a greater throng of business than I am now pressed with at this time when our Kirk requireth the public help of us all, yet I cannot but answer the heads of both your letters with provision that ye choose, after this, a fitter time for writing. I would not have you pitch upon me as the man able by letters to answer doubts of this kind, while there are in your bounds men of such great parts most able for this work. I know that the best are unable, yet it pleaseth that spirit of Jesus to blow his sweet wind through a piece of dry stick that the empty reed may keep no glory to itself. But a minister can make no such wind as this to blow. He is scarce able to lend it a passage to blow through him. Know that the wind of this spirit hath a time when it bloweth sharp and pierceth so strongly that it would blow through an iron door. And this is commonly rather than under suffering for Christ than at any other time. Sick children of Christ's pleasant things to play with because Jesus is most tender of the sufferer for he was a sufferer himself. Oh, if I had but the leavings and the drawings of the byboard of a sufferer's table. But I leave this to answer yours. Roman numeral one, you write that God's vows are lying on you and security strong and sib to nature stealing on you who are weak. I answer, number one, till we be in heaven, the best have heavy heads as is evident. Canticles five two, Psalm thirty six, Job twenty nine, eighteen, Matthew twenty six, forty three. Nature is a sluggard and loveth not the labor of religion. Therefore rest should not be taken till we know the disease be over and in the way of turning, and that it is like a fever past the cool. And the quietness and the calms of the faith of victory over corruption should be entertained in place of security, so that if I sleep, I would desire to sleep faith's sleep in Christ's bosom. Number two, know also, none that sleep sound can seriously complain of sleepiness. Sorrow for a slumbering soul is a token of some watchfulness of spirit. But this is soon turned into wantonness, as grace in us too often is abused. Therefore, our waking must be watched over, else sleep will even grow out of watching. And there is as much need to watch over grace as to watch over sin. Full men will soon sleep, and sooner than hungry men. Number three, for your weakness, to keep off security that like a thief stealeth upon you. I would say two things. One, to want complaints of weakness is for heaven and angels that never sinned, not for Christians in Christ's camp on earth. I think our weakness maketh us the church of the redeemed ones and Christ's field that the mediator should labor in. If there were no diseases on earth, There needed no physicians on earth. If Christ had cried down weakness, he might have cried down his own calling. But weakness is our mediator's world. Sin is Christ's only fair and market. No man should rejoice at weakness and diseases, but I think we may have a sort of gladness at boils and sores, because without them, Christ's fingers as a slain Lord, should never have touched our skin. I dare not thank myself, but I dare thank God's depth of wise providence that I have an errand in me while I live for Christ to come and visit me and bring with him his drugs and his balm. Oh, how sweet it is for a sinner to put his weakness in Christ's strengthening hand and to take a sick soul to such a physician, and to lay weakness before him, to weep upon him, and to plead and pray. Weakness can speak and cry when we have not a tongue. And when I passed by thee, and saw thee polluted in thine own blood, I said unto thee, When thou wast in thy blood, live. Ezekiel sixteen six. The kirk could not speak one word to Christ then, but blood and guiltiness out of measure spake and drew out of Christ pity and a world of life and love. Two, as for weakness, we have it that we may employ Christ's strength because of our weakness. Weakness is to make us the strongest things, that is, when having no strength of our own, we are carried upon Christ's shoulders and walk, as it were, upon his legs. If our sinful weakness swell up to the clouds, Christ's strength will swell up to the sun and far above the heaven of heavens. Roman numeral two, you tell me that there is need of counsel for strengthening new beginners. I can say little to that, who am not well begun myself. But I know honest beginnings are nourished by him, even by lovely Jesus, who never yet put out a poor man's dim candle, who is wrestling betwixt light and darkness. I am sure if new beginners would urge themselves upon Christ and press their souls upon him and importune him for a draft of his sweet love, they could not come wrong to Christ, come once in upon the right step of his lovely love, and I defy you to get free of him again. If any beginners fall off Christ again and miss him, they never lighted upon Christ as Christ. It was but an idol, like Jesus, which they took for him. Roman numeral three. Whereas you complain of a dead ministry in your bounds, You are to remember that the Bible among you is the contract of marriage, and the manner of Christ's conveying his love to your heart is not so absolutely dependent upon even lively preaching, as that there is no conversion at all, no life of God, but that which is tied to a man's lips. The daughters of Jerusalem have done often that which the watchman could not do, Make Christ your minister. He can woo a soul at a dyke side in the field. He needeth not us, howbeit the flock be obliged to seek him in the shepherd's tent. Hunger of Christ's making may drive even under stewards who mind not the feeding of the flock. O blessed soul that can leap over a man and look above a pulpit up to Christ who can preach home to the heart, howbeit, We were all dead and rotten. Roman numeral four. So to complain of yourselves as to justify God is right, providing ye justify his spirit in yourselves. For men seldom advocate against Satan's work and sin in themselves, but against God's work in themselves. Some of the people of God slander God's grace in their souls, as some wretches used to do, who complain and murmur of want. I have nothing, say they, all is gone. The ground yieldeth but weeds and windle straws. When their fat harvest, and their money in the bank, maketh them liars. But for myself, alas, I think it is not my sin I have scarce wit to sin this sin. But I advise you to speak good of Christ, for his beauty and sweetness, and speak good of him for his grace to yourselves. Roman numeral five. Light remaineth, you say, but you cannot attain to painfulness. See if this complaint be not booked in the New Testament and the place, Romans seven eighteen is like this. To will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. But everyone hath not Paul's spirit in complaining, for often in us complaining is but a humble backbiting and traducing of God's new work in the soul. But for the matter of the complaint, I would say that the light of glory is perfectly obeyed in loving and praising and rejoicing and resting in a seen and known Lord. But that light is not here away in any clay body, for while we are here, light is, in the most, broader and longer than our narrow and feckless obedience. But if there be light, with a fair train and a great back, I mean armies, of challenging thoughts and sorrow for coming short of performance in what we know and see ought to be performed, Then that sorrow for not doing is accepted of our Lord for doing. Our honest sorrow and sincere aims, together with Christ's intercession, pleading that God would welcome that which we have and forgive what we have not, must be our life till we be over the bound road and in the other country where the law will get a perfect soul. Roman numeral six, in Christ's absence, there is, as you write, a willingness to use means, but heaviness after the use of them because of formal and slight performance. In Christ's absence, I confess, the work lieth behind. But if you mean absence of comfort and absence of sense of his sweet presence, I think that Absence is Christ's trying of us, not simply our sin against him. Therefore, howbeit our obedience be not sugared and sweetened with joy, which is the sweetmeat bairns would still be at, yet the less sense and the more willingness in obeying, the less formality in our obedience. Howbeit we think not so, for I believe that many think Obedience formal and lifeless, except the wind be fair in the West, and sails filled with joy and sense, till souls like a ship, fair before the wind, can spread no more sail. But I am not of their mind who thinks so. But if you mean by absence of Christ, the withdrawing of his working grace, I see not how willingness to use means can be at all under such an absence. Therefore, be humbled for heaviness in that obedience and thankful for willingness. For the bridegroom is busking his spouse oftentimes while she is half sleeping, and your Lord is working and helping more than you see. Also, I recommend to you heaviness for formality and for lifeness deadness in obedience be cast down as much as you will or can for deadness, and challenge that slow and dull carcass of sin that will neither lead nor drive in your spiritual obedience. Oh, how sweet to lovely Jesus are bills and grievances given in against corruption and the body of sin. I would have Christ in such a case fashed, if I may speak so, and deafened with our cries as you see, the Apostle doth, Romans 7, 24, O oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death. Protestations against the law of sin in you are law grounds why sin can have no law against you. Seek to have your protestation discussed and judged, and then you shall find Christ on your side of it. Roman numeral seven, you hold that Christ must either have hearty service or no service at all. If you mean he will not have a heart or feigned service such as the hypocrites give him, I grant you that Christ must have honesty or nothing. But if you mean that he will have no service at all, where the heart draweth back in any measure, I would not that were true for my part of heaven and all that I am worth in the world. If you mind to walk to heaven without a cramp or a crook, I fear you must go alone. He knoweth our dross and defects and pitieth us when weakness and deadness in our obedience is our cross and not our darling. Roman numeral eight. The liar, John eight forty four, as you write, challengeth the work as formal. Yet yeah, you bless your cautioner for the groundwork he hath laid. And dare not say, but that you have assurance in some measure. To this I say, number one, it shall be no fault to save Satan's labor and challenge it yourselves, or at least examine and censure. But beware of Satan's ends in challenging, for he mindeth to put Christ and you at odds. Number two, welcome home faith in Jesus, who washeth still when we have defiled our souls and made ourselves loathsome, and seek still the blood of atonement for false little or Michael. Know the gate to the well and lie about it. Number three, make Michael of assurance, for it keepeth your anchor fixed. Roman numeral nine, outbreakings, you say, discourage you so that you know not if ever you shall arrive again at such overjoying consolations of the spirit in this life as formerly you had. And therefore, a question may be, if after assurance and mortification, the children of God be ordinarily fed with sense and joy? I answer, I see no inconvenience to think it is enough in a race to see the goal at the starting place. How be it, the runners never get a view of it till they come to the rink's end, and that our wise Lord thinketh it fittest. We should not always be fingering and playing with Christ's apples. Our well-beloved, I know, will sport and play with his bride as much as he thinketh will allure her to the rink's end. Yet I judge it not unlawful to seek renewed consolations, providing one, the heart be submissive and content to leave the measure and timing of them to him. Two, they be sought to excite us to praise and to strengthen our assurance and sharpen our desires after himself three they be sought not for our humors or swelling of nature but as the earnest of heaven and i think many do attain to greater consolations after mortification than ever they had formerly but i know that our Lord walketh here still by a sovereign latitude and keepeth not the same way as to one hairbreadth without a miss towards all his children. As for the Lord's people with you, I am not the man fit to speak to them. I rejoice exceedingly that Christ is engaging souls amongst you, but I know that in conversion... All the winning is in the first buying, as we used to say. For many lay false foundations and take up conversion at their foot and get Christ for as good as half nothing and had never a sick night for sin and this maketh loose work. I pray you dig deep. Christ's palace work and his new dwelling laid upon hell, felt and feared is most firm and heaven, "'grounded and laid upon such a hell "'is surest work "'and will not wash away "'with winter storms. "'It were good that professors "'were not like young heirs "'that come to their rich estate "'long ere they come to their wit, "'and so the tavern "'and the cards and harlots "'steal their riches from them ere they be aware "'what they are doing. "'I know that a Christ bought with strokes is sweetest. I recommend to you conference and prayer at private meetings, for warrant whereof see Isaiah two verse three, Jeremiah fifty verses four and five, Hosea two verses one and two, Zechariah eight verses twenty to twenty three, Malachi three sixteen. Luke 24, verses 13-17, to John 20, verse 19, Acts 12, verse 12, Colossians 3, verse 16, and 4, verse 6, Ephesians 4, verse 29, 1 Peter 4, verse 10, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 14, Hebrews 3, verse 13, and 10, verse 25. Many coals make a good fire, and that is a part of the communion of saints. I must entreat you and your Christian acquaintances in the parish to remember me to God in your prayers and my flock and ministry and my transportation and removal from this place, which I fear at this assembly, and be earnest with God for our mother Kirk, For want of time, I have put you all in one letter. The rich grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Footnote, after returning to Anwath, Rutherford received two calls. One, to minister at Edinburgh. Two, to accept a theological chair in the University of St. Andrews. The assembly mentioned in the letter was held at Glasgow. It invited Rutherford to accept the call to St. Andrews. He agreed to do so, but reluctantly. That was episode 23 of The Letters of Samuel Rutherford.